So let's talk about community building and management. I helped to co-run a YouTube channel called Blender Nest, which I'm sure many people already listening to this will know about. It's basically supposed to be a place where different Blender creators, specifically YouTubers, can come together and just talk about the Blender community and all sorts of other random things that we might find interesting. Its purpose has shifted over time. Uh, it was originally just supposed to be a podcast, but now recently we've been making some changes to it to turn it into a more open community. And you can find out more information about that if you go to blendernest.space, which is the website, and there's a link on there for the Discord community as well if you wanted to take part. Blendernest has been an interesting project because since it started back in about January 2020, there have obviously been some very significant changes, not just in my life, but in the lives of everyone that's taken part. Of course, the pandemic had a major effect on all of our lives, but for many of us, our businesses centered around these channels have been rapidly changing and growing at various paces, and everyone's had to kind of navigate this in a slightly different way. The original six that started the podcast were CG Matter, Ducky 3D, Southern Shotty, Grant Abbott, Blender Binge, now Kev Binge, and myself. Getting up to where we are now, most of those original six had dropped off. The ones that have participated more than anyone else are Kev and myself, with CG Matter occasionally appearing. The others dropped off for various reasons, mostly to do with work, but it's really more than just business because everyone has their own sets of responsibilities that have different priorities. And Blender Nest being a community project which does not provide any financial and very little incentive in terms of attention falls quite low down on the ladder when you're comparing it to other responsibilities. But I did write a bit more about this on the Blender Nest website. We've set up a blog section on there now. So if you take a look, there's the first blog post I've written called A Change of Pace, which basically outlines how I thought the channel wasn't really sustainable just as a hyper-specific podcast and would need to open up a bit more if you wanted it to grow. But this kind of opens up the opportunity for us to talk about managing different priorities and time investments and how you can tell a good idea from a bad one because Blender Nest as a channel and a project would be an interesting candidate for a case study I think. Because Blender as a community is very large. We've got people from all different walks of lives from all around the world. Us as Blender creators on YouTube have accumulated fairly substantial audiences in terms of viewer numbers and all of those viewers are invested in Blender to various degrees. Some of those viewers are hardcore community members and like to absorb as much Blender content as possible, so they will follow everyone. And these are the people that are more likely to be interested in listening to kind of hyper-specific podcast content that's made by groups of us creators. The thing is, this kind of content doesn't have much reach beyond just those members. To keep a channel like that growing, it's something that everyone taking part needs to keep pushing to their regular audience. The normal content we make allows for a much more organic growth because it's more applicable to a wider audience rather than just entirely dedicated Blender users. There's a very wide range of people on YouTube now that are interested in learning Blender or may have seen some of their other favorite creators using it in some way that may not ever use the software to a point of proficiency but are still interested enough to enjoy content about it. And there are definitely some channels that curtail to this audience very well. Channels like CG Matter and Daniel Craft, for example, because they tend to throw a bit more of an entertaining mix onto it. Ian Huber as well is another one with his fast tutorials because they're enjoyable to watch first of all and then they're educational as a secondary purpose. Now podcast type content doesn't have the same reach and it's definitely not entertaining in the same way, not unless the personalities are inherently quite comedic and drive really well together to create some really funny smash hits moments that I think people will find really entertaining. We've had a fair few funny moments that have happened on Blender Nest and I've put them into a compilation video, but on the whole the content is very long form and serious and doesn't really open much in the way of quick comedic hits. So naturally most of the people that watch it are those that are going to be doing work while listening to it, so they're dividing their attention up, 
I think very few viewers actually sit there and watch the screen for one, one and a half, two hours, where it's just our faces making the same expressions, talking about the same subjects week after week, and ultimately just letting the content get a bit stale. Now there are lots of reasons why we ended up making a change to the format to try and turn it into a bit more of a longer lasting channel. I think one of the first points of concern came from me, which was the unfair distribution of work. Because when the podcast started, CG Matter, Ducky and I were pretty much divvying up the responsibilities. Over time, Ducky stopped taking part, so the editing was done by me and CG Matter. Then eventually it got too much for him, so then I was in charge. So I would do the editing, then I would upload it, and then CG Matter would take care of the rest of the admin work. And then eventually he stopped doing that, so then absolutely everything fell onto me, which became an unfair workload. Inevitably, this started digging into my time, and it also meant that I had less time to spend on my own projects. This was quite annoying in particular because I think around September 2020, I had the full responsibility of managing Blender Nest. I had at that point been dealing with mum's worth of breathing issues and was continuing to do so. Certain areas of my financial income were starting to run low, so I had to look at new alternatives like Patreon, which was putting a lot of pressure on me. So I was in a position where I needed to make some significant changes and put a lot more effort into my work. And at that time, I was responsible for having to deal with the weekly podcast content while everyone else could just run off and do what they liked. So I ended up implementing a new voluntary work system on the behind the scenes Blender server. I call it a bucket system. Essentially, we have a few channels where links can be shared. Whenever someone records something, they can shove it in the to edit channel and then someone else can come and pick that up. And then once that's edited, they can put it in the to upload channel. And then whoever's in control of the YouTube account, so that would be me, can then take that video and upload it. So in doing that, and about around the beginning of this year, it means I stepped away from editing duties so that other members of the Blender server would have to pick that up. But I would still be responsible for recording the episodes and uploading the edited videos to the account. This was good because it gave me a lot more time. It made the system a lot more fair because then the responsibilities were being spread about. Paul Kajedji and Michael Bridges were especially helpful in this because they volunteered their time to help. And I guess I've worried a little bit about stepping away from these duties, making it look like I'm not interested in helping with the Blender Nest anymore. But clearly that's not the case. I mean, a lot of people were offering to help, but the thing is, everyone offers to help, but no one actually does anything. Because delegating work is a difficult task. We kind of need to be in the right place at the right time to be able to share files and ideas properly. It does take something like one person just setting up a system like the bucket system to actually get the ball rolling a bit. And I kind of think about this moment of change like a kind of tough love relationship moment. You know, if you're putting too much effort into a relationship and the other person isn't putting any in, then it's like, okay, well, you better start putting the effort in or this entire thing is going to collapse. And I was kind of feeling that about Blender Nest at that point. Because I knew that the amount of effort I was putting into it was not sustainable. And if I stopped doing the editing, then the channel would die. And maybe that sounds a bit dramatic, but there's an element of realism in there. Because I had control of the YouTube account. If anyone wanted to do their own recordings, if I wasn't there and edit them as well, then there's an extra hurdle that needs to be done in connecting through me to the account to make that content work. Ultimately, we reached a point a couple of weeks ago where we sat down and basically talked about new possibilities for directions to take Blender Nest in a way that would mean that the content would then be accessible to more people rather than just our hyper-specific audiences. We also wanted to make the process of making the content more enjoyable, and a way to do that was to have new interesting series ideas. So for example, the art reviews, and this would be good because people from the open community could submit their artwork on the new Discord server, and then we could take a look at that. That would keep it fresh every time we wanted to do an episode because there'd be new content to look at every time. The secondary benefit to that would be that people would get excited for seeing their work on the video and then consequently share it with their friends. Having the server also gives us a platform to do live chats with other creators without necessarily adding them to the full crew. And maybe that's something I should be a bit more transparent about because we like to stay a bit quiet about the idea of adding people to the crew. Because there's quite a few people over time that have requested to be part of the podcasts and we tend to pick and choose them quite carefully. 
Whenever someone asks if they can take part, I always want to be very nice and diplomatic. But I'll say quite bluntly here and now the kinds of things that we don't want in the Blenderness crew. If people are applying to take part in the podcast just because they want the attention of being on the podcast, they will not get accepted. If people have expressed issues of showing modesty in their work, they will not be accepted. If people have demonstrated in any way that they are intolerant towards anyone that's different from them in terms of things like race, religion, sexuality, etc., then they will not be accepted. If there has been any drama with any other member of the crew, then they will not be accepted. If they're the kind of person that wants to impose their opinions on other people's work without knowing if it's wanted, then they will not be accepted. If they're prone to significant mood changes, going from being extremely friendly to extremely unfriendly in a very short amount of time, then it's a big red flag for trustworthiness and they will not be accepted. So strictly speaking, whenever someone is proposed to join the server, we do a little bit of a personality check on their content beforehand. Now I should say that's how it was before we've made these significant community changes and setting up the new public server. But now I think things are going to be run a little bit differently because the server allows us to provide a platform for creators to talk about their work and their interests without actually adding them to the inner crew. And I think this will be mutually beneficial because we can give those creators an audience that will listen to what they want to talk about. And they will also be providing us with content to share at the same time so we can continue to grow the channel. Before making these changes, we had a lot of discussions about whether or not we should be letting new people into the actual original crew. And we kind of came to the conclusion that we would keep some degree of separation from a managerial standpoint. So instead of turning our original server that we were using to share files into the open community, we would make an entirely new server to become the public community. And both of these servers have moderation areas where we can discuss different levels of importance. We knew before making this open community that we had developed a kind of interesting family dynamic within BlenderNest. To be honest, I think we were kind of lucky in connecting with each other because those of us that took part on a mostly consistent basis share very similar values in life. We have somewhat similar personalities and share similar reactions to different types of personalities. But one consistent factor that I think makes us good candidates for actually managing an open community like this is that we all share an interest in encouraging more people to take part in Blender and to connect with other people and to share their work. The more people we get making stuff in and for Blender, the higher quality I think the community becomes. It also means that more interesting things become accessible to everyone. This is one of the main strengths about open source software, I think. Because if you have a large community of experimenters, they're basically doing a lot of the development work for you. I think from a management standpoint of the Blender Foundation and the Institute, I think it's been a good idea keeping the Blender Animation Studio close to the development of Blender. Because when you have a group of people running real projects and experiments using the software, it really, really does help to inform you of better decisions to decide on better directions to focus the development. Now, the wider Blender community, whether or not the foundation realizes it or not, is basically one massive collaborative animation studio in some way. It's a series of thousands, tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of people using Blender for their projects. This is a large sum of freely accessible people that can provide you with an incredibly vast amount of information that will help you make better decisions for developing the software. So I think it's a very good idea for the Blender development team to not tunnel vision in on very specific ideas that they have in mind and instead open everything up to scrutiny for the larger community. I think this does happen a lot of the time because they're very open about their communications. You can watch live conversations the development team are having. You can also see what builds and what changes are being made. In this regard, it's very good. But I think there are some situations sometimes where certain key members of the development team focus in on specific ideas that are not necessarily popular, but are just implemented because they have a bias towards them. Now, swinging this right back around to BlenderNest, having a large audience focused on open source software is not only an enjoyable thing to interact with, but it's also an invaluable resource. 
You cannot buy attentive audience members with money. Many companies have tried and it's always been a bit of a fruitless exercise. The Blender community is fantastic. It's full of extremely intelligent and resourceful people. And what having a server like the new Blender Nest 1 allows us to do now is connect with some of those very resourceful minds. We don't necessarily need to be restricted by our prejudices against certain personality types anymore. We still need to keep a certain amount of moderation and vetting because we want to be careful about people's sensitivities and making things feel egalitarian and as accessible to different types of people as possible, regardless of where you're from, what your background is and what you like. But having a server like this means that creators can also get a bit more experimental with their content because the kind of people that take part in these communities are ones that are interested in the creators and do want to see what they can make. But not only that, they're also interested in engaging with these ideas. And this allows, I think, for a good environment where ideas can be bounced off of each other very quickly. This is different from traditional creator communities, I think, because they're usually very self-centered and focused around individual creators. But having a merging point like this, which basically acts as like an average between all of the Blender YouTube creators' servers, means that a wider range of viewpoints and ideas can be collected and collaborated on within a shorter amount of time. This also opens the way for rapidly experimenting with different types of content for the YouTube channel. What's more than this is that if people enjoy their time on the server, not even necessarily for the YouTube channel, it may bring along their friends and other contacts that just want to take part in the server, but then this can bleed into new audience members for the channel as well. Having the new website and the Discord server means that we can organize content a bit better away from the YouTube channel, which opens the way for us to maybe change tactic for how we present the content on YouTube. We can get slightly more clickbaity with the content titles and thumbnails to try and attract new people on board. If we can also encourage a wider range of people to take part in the YouTube videos, then by making it clear to the algorithm in the titles and the description and the tags of who's taking part, we can get a bit more of a wider territory gain over the YouTube algorithm. So when people look up other members that do take part in Blender Nest content, we can also string some more viewers from there. Having less repetitive content, like the podcast was becoming originally, this also provides a higher sense of value, which means we can also share their content on other platforms and news services. So I think overall it's a very beneficial thing to do. I also think it comes at quite a unique time. Maybe if we did it a bit earlier, we might have failed in the process of putting the community together. I really do think that it was a right place, right time situation doing it now. On a personal level, I've had a bit of an emotionally difficult last few months. And I've come out of that phase now and something I've been desiring is a distraction. Something I can occupy my mind with and easy access to people who can throw their ideas into my head so I'm not stuck with my own. So in having these discussions about the Blender Nest server, I was very keen to get working on it right away. And I said to Arturo at the time, I either work fast or not at all. And that's true, that holds up for my attention span. I thought the idea of having an open Blender Nest community for people was a very valuable idea and would be very fun to interact with. I knew that if I left it more than a couple of days before I started working on it, it would never get made because inevitably another project would have entered mine or other people of the server's minds. So I was like, right, let's do the rebranding immediately. Let's set up the server right now. And I proposed to the original members that we should use the money that was raised from the original Blender Nest Patreon to host a new website for it. So all of this was done in a very short amount of time over the span of maybe two or three days. I think what we have now is a very good starting point. We're interested in running more challenges. We're interested in seeing how many other Blender creators we can get on board for talks. But like I said, we're not just going to be accepting absolutely anyone and everything. Some degree of vetting and moderation is still expected. We do want to make sure that anyone who does want to try and make content is genuinely doing it for the best interest of the community and not for entirely self-serving reasons. Then hopefully with this increase in variety and all of these new changes, if we can keep the ball moving, I'm hoping we can get Blender Nest into a position where it can grow by itself. Getting Blender Nest to that point, I think will attract a lot more other creators as well. Not even from a point of being self-serving, like, hey, I want to get involved in this because it could benefit me in the long term, but just from the standpoint of it being an exciting idea. Every community project starts with at least one member, and it grows over time. And the reason it grows is because we put effort into making it grow. 
We cultivate the audience, we give them a reason to stay, we make them happy, we spend time with them and genuinely begin to understand their hopes and fears. I'm a firm believer that if you look after the community, the community will look after you as well. That's also another reason why I like doing shout out videos on my main YouTube channel occasionally. It's not because it's easy content to make or because you get lots of valuable thanks for it. On the contrary, I find it's actually more difficult content to make than regular tutorials because it requires more recording clips. It's actually because I remember back when I started my main YouTube channel, Grant Abbott gave me a shout out and Bart from Blender Nation was very helpful with sharing my content. I do feel like I lucked out in that regard. I was given the generosity of their attention and it really helped give me a boost. I don't necessarily know if I believe in karma or anything like that, but I just have a feeling that since I have received something generous from the community, I should give something generous back. There's something that feels quite wholesome and stable about that, like everyone feels safer and happier if there's good things going both ways. So with that slightly more spiritual aspect in mind, if we can call it that, I would like the Blenderness community to become a place where new creators can connect and assist each other. A wholesome community with a very family-like feeling, where people can come together, help each other, share their work, take part in discussions, be inspired by other people's ideas, find new people and sources of resources that they can follow, and just generally have a good time. So if you agree with that vision and you're interested in helping to grow the community, then feel free to head over to blendernest.space, the website, and on there you will find the appropriate links. So I think that's where we'll leave it for now. I'm sorry if I rambled on for a bit too long, but when I go through phases of doing lots of stuff in a very short amount of time, I think that saying these things out loud almost codifies it in a way like a diary entry. I do actually have a diary, as a matter of fact, that I write in every now and again. It's been going for about eight years. But I feel like this podcast can also provide the secondary purpose of acting as a kind of personal diary where I can share these ideas in case other people find them interesting or want to apply any of the ideas shared to their own projects. So thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you're staying safe and I'll see you next time.